Boom, it's your boy Muhammad Cannon, the patriarch. I'm here representing for the good folks at Urban Politician. Listen, it's some tumultuous times. You gotta stay informed. There's no better place to do it than the Urban Politician. Why? Because they speak our language and it's deep. See what I'm saying? So you gotta stay informed. You gotta keep your fingers on the post. That's Kazemde Ajamu. That's Jensen Henry. That's the Urban Politician. Get your information. It done know. Traveling through West Africa, he came across this city named Polly. Named Polly. That traveler walked back and forth and to and fro, not believing what he was seeing. He had never seen anything like this before, never experienced it. So he saw this elder, and he ran up on the elder and he said, Elder, elder, help me, please. Think I'm suffering from heat stroke or delusions. Elsa, hold up, son. What's wrong? He said, Elder, I've traveled all over the world and I've never seen streets so clean. I've never seen all these mansions, all the children walking around in their finest kinstay cloth. I can't believe what I'm seeing, Elder. Conversation with you, the, the priest, the priestess, they're sitting back watching you. They want to know what your energy is, what your spirit is. Then we all get together and we 
have a conversation about you. Whether or not we want to invite you into our city. And if, if we decide that we want to invite you to our city, we throw this huge celebration. And son, at this celebration, everyone brings you one brick and one dollar. So the child looked at the elder and he said, Elder, how many people are in this city? The elder said, Son, we got 100,000 people. And with this 100,000 people, we're able to take these 100,000 bricks and we're able to build your mansion. Once that mansion is built, son, you're able to start your life off in Polly with $100,000. Hmm. Look at that. Now, the moral of this story, we're out here looking for complicated solutions for seemingly complicated problems. And it's quite simple. One brick, one dollar. One brick and one dollar will be built families, communities, and nations. Do you see it? Can you visualize it? Now go manifest it. Welcome to the Urban Politician Show. I am your host, Kazende Ajamu, and I have my co-hostesses. Is that such a thing? Hostesses? It is now. Hostesses. The beautiful that sounds like a cupcake. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Hostess cupcakes, right? The beautiful Jensen Henry and we don't no longer call him our sidekick. No. He's our he's a hostess. <laughs> Reggie Gibbs. How you doing, Reggie? I'm outstanding. Uh, say that one more time. I'm outstanding. I, I'm, I can't hear myself. Now you hear yourself, bro. I can't hear myself. Oh, I got you on the wrong mic. There you go. Hello. Alrighty. I'm feeling outstanding. We getting it together now. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a hostess. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a no, supporting cast. I have two hosts. <laughs> so should I say host and supporting cast? Yeah. Okay. So, welcome. <laughs> no, I'm not gonna do that. All <laughs> anyway, we're back, fam. We we've been out for a short period of time, and we're really excited to be back. And we have an absolutely, absolutely great show, right? Uh, titled "What Venture Capital." can do for our community. And I think Jensen got a little bit of information on uh, one of the founders, and then uh, we're going to bring him on as a guest, and we're going to get it in. All right. And so the founder that Barbara Kaz is referring to that we're going to be talking to today is general partner Mitch Brooks. Mitch Brooks is general partner of High Street Equity Partners, where he focuses on dealing source on deal sourcing, organizational strategy, and due diligence efforts. From 2012 to 2020, Mitch was an active angel investor and advisor. Previously, Mitch was partner and chief operating officer at DSI, where he led the firm's internal operations and external business development efforts before an equity exit. Under his leadership, DSI grew year-over-year revenue to an eight-figure firm experiencing historic levels of client retention and company profitability. Mitch currently serves on the board of directors of several charitable organizations, including Higher Achievement and Thrive. Mitch received his MBA from Florida A&M University, 
So he's a, a FAMU grad. Uh, he is a sixth generation Washingtonian. I didn't know that was a thing. We're going to have to talk about that. Yeah. He lives in the Fort Lincoln neighborhood of Northeast Washington, D.C. with his wife, Kadeen. And Mitch's favorite activities include reading, poker, long distance races, and traveling around the globe with family and friends. All righty. Well, we're about to um, welcome uh, Mr. Mitch Brooks onto the show. But first, we want to give the brother a round, good round of applause. Bam. You know, I actually got that button right. Mitch, are you with us? I'm with you. I'm with you. How you all doing? We're wonderful, brother. Welcome. Welcome to the Urban Politician Show. We're glad to have you today. And we're all kind of really, uh, we got a room packed up in here. Like, this is. I appreciate it. Like, I, I want to uh, give a shout out to that 90s R&B intro y'all had with the voice going on. That was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was, yeah. I like that, man. You like that? Yeah, that it's was... Like a um, yeah. It's a whole story, actually, behind that brick and uh, brick and dollar, like building brick okay. by brick Who, dollar Whose voice was that? That was my voice, actually. And um, okay. sister, yeah. sister that was singing Mahogany and um, yeah. her husband, um, Andre. Andre, laid the tracks, and uh, we put that together. And it, we really found, thought it was kind of apropos, since we're talking about finance um, and building our, and investing in our community, that... Uh, we kind of throw that in there, so um, appreciate you uh, enjoying that. Yeah, that's what's up. That's what's up. It was it was a real smooth, suave voice you had going on there, brother. <laughs> that's what's up. That's that's our boss. That's because M Day. He's got the voice. I don't know about yeah. that. Have you heard? Do you hear the voice that just talked? Like Jensen? Did you hear that voice? Like we I all? Did, yeah, yeah. They forgot about my voice after listening to her voice, but. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't mind giving that up. That's that's. And you haven't heard her sing either, Mitch. Thank you, Kat. Okay. Yeah, she she hasn't sung. You're gonna have to go back and listen to some of our previous shows. But yeah, yeah. yeah. As a matter of fact, to that point, actually, we just um, we're talking about the fact that I reposted our new Black Wall Street episode because it just became a year, the year anniversary. Of our mm. the new Black Wall Street episode really? with our brother Javon Green and Muhammad Cannon. Nice. Um, that was actually the first show that I sung on. Wow. Really? Yeah. Nice. Wow. Yeah. And, and what's so dope about that? Not just was that her first song. Javon went on to write exactly the new Black Wall Street. Right. That's and the book. He also has a podcast. <laughs> and now it's the podcast. And he's our financial mm -hmm. guru, which is also here in the room. So when I knew I was having right. you, I went and tried to get inside his head, and he was busting me in the head with all these new terms I never heard of, right? <laughs> so, so instead of me trying to read my own bad notes and getting them all crooked, we invited him in, too. So I hope you don't mind. But, a human uh, a human cliff note. Human cliff note. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I just actually cut his mic on just in case he wants to interject at any given time. I didn't turn it up. Okay. But, um... So, Mitch, if you can, though, please tell us more about you, because we read the bio. Tell us more about you, and definitely tell us more about High Street Equity Partners. Yeah, I would love to. Um, so, uh, my family, I'll start with me being a sixth-generation Washingtonian. Um, I've taken on and formally the role of family historian, um, and over the past few years, as I've been uh, doing our family genealogy, I've falling in love with our story, beautiful, but also painful. And so I think the most important thing that, that I would like to leave with 
is my route to this rich city. And and being a, a Washingtonian and seeing as of late like the prosperity that's been going on in the city, but everyone has been able has not been able to participate in that prosperity. And to a great degree, that's what led me to become an angel investor in this city and look to form this formal investment vehicle with this venture fund. And so coming back from school, I was fortunate to connect with a number of folks and get a job at a tech company here in Washington, D.C. And over the years, things went well. And I was able to become a partner in that tech company and an executive. And in the process of that, as we started to, as I started to learn things like, you know, partner dividends and distributions and the like, and started to have conversations with other executives in the company, you know, around Christmas time, folks would talk about, so what are you going to do with yourself? Or what are you going to do with your, you know, dividends at the beginning of the year? And some folks would say, well, I'm going to, you know, buy this material asset or, or, or this material thing and other folks are like i'm gonna get a vacation home in big Sur in california and for me from day one i wasn't interested in those things i was interested in taking the money from company profits that was mine and putting it into black and brown uh, businesses and investing in young entrepreneurs and my idea plan at the time was to be able to use my business acumen and the things that I was learning to be able to help those businesses grow. So candidly, that was always like in in my blood and in my mind, like how can I sort of use my money to make more money? Um, and so that excited me. And that's how I, I got into this. So I actually have a couple questions. So first, sixth generation Washingtonian. As I said, when I was reading the bio, I didn't know that was a thing. So what you said you've done your family's genealogy. What is that that earliest? What's the story of that earliest generation? Eighteen thirty-five. Um, my paternal side is from Calvert County, Maryland. My maternal side is from Madison County, Virginia, um, which is still pretty co- close to DC. Um, I'm still working on going back further back from eighteen thirty-five. Um, but paternal and maternal family, both of them around the Reconstruction period, the 1860s and 70s, um, moved to Washington, D.C. Uh, to share with you all, uh, my formal name is Mitchell Brooks IV, and Mitchell Brooks III was born in Washington, D.C., according to the census, and somewhere uh, between his father and his father's father, they made the transition to Washington, D.C. on a paternal side. And a similar story on my maternal side. Yeah, that's that's really awesome to be able to trace your family back Indeed. that far and that well Indeed. into that time period as well. Because if you look at all of what was happening in the country, and then you look at what was happening particularly in the capital at that time, that's got to be really interesting to know that your people were there. And not too many people can go back yeah. before 1865, um, because prior to 1865, we was listed as numbers. Our ancestors was that numbers versus a name. So it's it's seldom through the written record anyway that you can go back prior to eighteen sixty five. I know it's mostly like free names still. They don't even change their names to to kinda like freedmen or the freedmen, but that was in eighteen sixty five and after. So prior to that, if you look at excuse me, if you look at the census if you follow census bureau tracks, we would list it out as just numbers. Right. Um not names. So usually 
when you're doing your ancestral genealogy, I guess, mm-hmm. once you get to 18, well, anywhere between 1865 and 1880, once you go past that, it gets a lot more difficult to find yeah. who your family members are because you don't have names to attach them to yeah. anymore. So um, when you can do that, it's, it's a true blessing when you can go back and then, which, which means to tell me that you actually can go back with a little more research even further. So, because mm. um, the record uh, obviously exists. So that that is a beautiful thing. So I, if I can, I got another question. You have another question. I do, um, because you did mention that you know you're um, you know, you were honest with us. You know you you want to collect money. That's that's part of your motivation. But I, I wanted to know what's your motivation for specifically helping, uh, as you said, black and brown businesses grow. Yeah, um, I think there's like several things um, that connect to that. Um, first and uh, foremost and from D.C. um, I grew up seeing black and brown folks all around me. It's the neighborhoods that I lived in, the schools that I went to, etc. And to share with you, when I moved back to D.C. after college, um, my family started to move out of this metropolitan area in large numbers. Uh, currently, my older brother is no longer living in the city. My younger brother is no longer living in the city. And my father is no longer living in the city, including like many other cousins and aunts and uncles. And a lot of these folks moved out of the city because uh, the thought was that the cost of living uh, and to live like a, a, a comfortable life was very difficult to achieve. Um, and so a large part of me felt like, you know, and, and the numbers and the stories are, you know, pretty well published that this metropolitan area has been becoming increasingly um, wider over the years. Um, and so I, I felt strongly that I wanted to invest in the folks that helped to build the city and make the city what it is. Um, and and that was absolutely deliberate and intentional. I wanted to invest in people that reminded me of my brothers and my fathers and um, my cousins. Um, and, and so that's at the foundation of it. Um, and I think in addition to that, it became... Uh, I, I, I want to say easier. I don't know if that's the right word, but it became uh, simpler and easier due to like the proximity of folks around me. Right, so I went to an HBCU. Uh, my network was HBCU alum. My network of family and friends was folks that looked like me, and so it was very much uh, in close proximity to me as well uh, of entrepreneurs and just folks that were were interested in their own business. That's great to know, because actually um, in preparing for this show, I actually asked a couple people um, who are looking for investors and things like that, um, their perspective on venture capitalists. And uh, it it actually wasn't that great. (laughs) It actually wasn't that great. Um, So actually, first, I'd like to ask, um, what is a venture capitalist? What is that? Yeah, to a great degree, I think that the space, 
doesn't have um, the best reputation, uh, but I but I believe that um, it's because not en- not enough black and brown investors and fund managers have been in the space. That's my personal take. Um, what is a venture capitalist? A venture capitalist is someone that takes capital uh, money and invests in a business. Um, and the idea is that um, in addition to the capital that they put into a business, they want to return on that. And there, uh, some uh, look to put their time, talent, and treasure into helping uh, those ventures grow. And that's how they get their return on investment. And some folks just say, hey, I'm giving you money and you need to figure out the rest. Uh, and they look to get a return on their investment. Um, and so at, at the core of it, that's what a venture capitalist, uh, also known as a VC, does. So <clears throat> I want to dive into uh, that a little bit more. Um, but okay. As you was talking about uh, DC and growing up and investing in brown and black people, it, I just recall that DC was like the original Chaka City. That is no more. Yeah. So it's it's yeah. Yeah. Uh, and 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 it's it, when I what I heard you saying too is that you know your six generations of of being Washingtonians is in danger right now because your siblings are uh, even have already moved away. So I'm sorry about that. Exactly I didn't right. mean to cut you, but yeah. No, that's that's exactly right. Yeah. So it's like I grew up in Newark, which was another chocolate city. So I kind of understand. And then you went to HBCU. So your your environment has been. Um, amongst us, not just being us, but I want to go back to, so when you say tech to someone like myself, tech is a very broad word, right? Um, and there's some, when you say that you was in tech, um, I kind of, I understand that, but it, is there specific areas of technology that um, you ventured into in terms of your career um, before we even get into the, uh, the investment side of it? Uh, what specific tech jobs or um, expertise do you have? Yeah. Uh, I came into the tech space uh, at a pretty young age. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> funny story, uh, I created a website while in college that was centered around uh, making information easier uh, easily accessible. Uh, and uh, back when I was in college, uh, you had to like go to the bulletin board to find out information about the assemblies for the day and who were the visitors for the day and things like that. And I just felt like this is so like stupid. <laughs> there has to be a better way of doing this. And so I did not know how to create a website but I went to uh, a black sister that ran a website called like Tallahassee Green Pages. And I asked her to create a website for me. And in exchange, I would offer, offer her marketing services to help her to like reach the college campus and the college market. And she was like, so you don't want me to pay you and you just want to barter and you want me to do this website with just information on it? And I was like, yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, and in the process of that, uh, I learned uh, that was like my first foray into tech. Uh, 
and I learned a lot about uh, just the infrastructure of technology. Uh, fast forward, when I um, went into my career, I, I went into a tech consulting firm, uh, and I was very upfront with them and, and speaking with the executive team when they were interviewing me, and I said, hey, man, I don't know a ton about tech, but I know a lot about business. And they said, that's exactly why we want you, why we want to bring you in. We know a ton about tech and we know nothing about running a business for real. Like we've just figured it out that we don't know best practices and how to take things to the next level. And so as a result of working at that technology consulting firm, uh, I learned about DevOps. I've learned about high-growth tech. I learned about uh, government contracting. I learned about partnering with larger uh, technology firms for your Googles and uh, the likes. Uh, and, and really, that's how I cut my teeth in the space. Uh, I say that to say uh, I wouldn't classify myself as a technologist. I would more so classify myself as a, as a business person and as a business operator that has been able to navigate very, very well in the tech space. Great. Thank, thank you for that um, clarification, because some of the people around this room might have known exactly what you were talking about. I, however, did not. And I'm not ashamed to say it, so I'm going to ask questions. You say a word I understand, I'm going to say, what does that mean? But uh, um, that's a good thing. So you came into the store, what was that, maybe three weeks ago? Um, I don't remember exactly how long ago, but I know one of the things that uh, we talked about is your firm is looking to invest in, and I want to read this so I'm not getting this right, post-revenue tech-enabled companies focus on underrepresented founders from underrepresented geographies. So the first question that I had to ask is, what is post-revenue? But that question got answered for me. Thank you very much, Mr. Green. And well, wait, 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 wait. For, for the audience, yeah. we, well, we the need audience, that answer. You're right. What is post-enabled? Yes. Yeah, what's post-revenue tech-enabled companies? What yes. does that mean? So post-revenue means that they've been able to make money. Uh, and uh, what we see oftentimes in the tech space is that companies operate at um, the negative. Uh, they operate at a loss. Um, but uh, they continue to get uh, financing and investing in order to try to grow. Uh, and oftentimes, you know, the revenue will catch up with this, uh, with that model. Uh, but many, many times, the reality is 99% of the time that doesn't happen uh, and folks lose their money. And so a part of uh, the model that we take is we de-risk our investments by making sure that the companies that we invest in are making money. So that's what post-revenue means. Uh, tech-enabled uh, tech enabled, uh, means that companies have technology at the center of how they plan to grow and scale. And that doesn't necessarily have to mean that uh, it's some high-tech company that we're investing in. We invest in like restaurant and hospitality concepts. We invest in retail concepts. Um, and the key for us is that you know, how they're looking to go about growing their business 
they have uh, uh, technology systems and platforms and tools that they're using to look to grow their business in a way that's smarter. Uh, so that's the key for us. And, and the technology allows us to be able to use data and metrics uh, and key performance indicators to say, all right, uh, in order for us to, you know, come in at this level or continue to invest, these are uh, the benchmarks that we would like to see. Um, and and so it's been happening. And, and I think for us, we really want to socialize the idea uh, that your company can be tech-enabled uh, and doesn't necessarily, it, it doesn't have to be, and it doesn't mean the same thing as a high-tech company. I'm glad. Um, thank you, Jensen, for making me, allowing him <coughs> to answer that question. Um, because when I saw that, I thought it was the focus of the business had to be tech. Mm. So, for example, Black Dot Culture Southern Bookstore, we're not a tech company, but we use technology. Mm. Yeah website and even internal technologies in order to grow and scale our business. Right. You can't do it without it. So that doesn't leave us out of the fray for so most of our, I mean, I don't know any small business today that does not have to utilize some level of tech, some level. Of right. Tech. And so I'm looking Especially at the website, age. right? Exactly. I'm looking at the website, highstreetequity.com. Um, and, and that's where we, you know, we're reading that High Street Equity Partners is an early stage venture firm that invests in post-revenue tech-enabled companies focused on underrepresented founders from underrepresented geographies. Um, tech-enabled, you know, you just, you just explained to us that um, they have to have some level of tech um, already um, in, involved in their company to help them grow. What does that look like for a business? Is that, you know, that they just have a website or um, like what have you seen in the businesses that you guys have already invested in because you are still an early stage venture firm. So of the businesses that you've already begun investing in, what do those businesses have um, already in their tech that made you say, okay, we can work with this? Yeah, yeah. Um, thinking about an example that can hit close to home, I think I want to use the bookstore example uh, that that you mentioned. Um, so let's take the, the bookstore example, uh, right? And I, on a very sort of rudimentary, basic level, what Amazon did in coming into the space, um, they started with book ordering, right, to a great degree. Um and, exactly, and, exactly. That was definitely Amazon's entry point. Definitely was books. That's right. That's right. That's right. And so what they said is that um, uh, as opposed to having uh, simply a physical location, we'll look to uh, take a warehouse model and we'll look to have a warehouse. And we want folks to be able to order their books quickly and easily online. Um and so let's take uh, your your bookstore model, if uh, or business. I'm sorry. If you were to say, you know, with our bookstore company, our bookstore, uh, we would like to make sure that our inventory uh, is tracked, is well tracked, uh, using technology. And so when someone comes in to buy, um, I just 
extension read Will Smith's book. When someone comes in to buy, and if we sell out of Will Smith's book, then our tech platform is going to alert us and let us know that, hey, we have one more copy left and we need to order 10. And, and if they can go a step further than that and say, you know, why don't we go ahead and sort of ping you and just ask you, you have one issue, you have one copy left. Would you like to order 10 or 20 more from whoever your distributor is or your, your partner? And so I'm, I'm using that in a very sort of simple and rudimentary way to say the tech is at the center or core of how you're managing your inventory or how you're managing your team and your staff and how you're managing your P&L. And we would like to be in business with you because we believe that with technology, you can be scalable and grow if you want to grow. I'm, I'm sorry, did you finish your statement? Or? Yeah, I did. Okay. I, did. <laughs> I thought you had more to um, add. This, we're about halfway through, so we're going to go to break, and then when we come back from break, we're going to dig a little further into um, your offerings and uh, what High Street does. So, Yeah, High Street Equity. And then also we have, um, you know, this is the Urban Politician, so we actually just had this infrastructure um, funding just come through or that the – Build Back Better plan. We just passed that, so we might well, want to. Well, it's just passed the House, so it hasn't passed okay. the Senate yet. Pa- the infrastructure bill passed. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but that is why, Bob, that's why Kaz is, is who he is. He is the urban politician because he's going to make sure that we have that, that nuance because it is super important. He's absolutely right. If it hasn't passed the Senate, then it's not passed. Then it's not passed. There we go. Absolutely. So okay. So we're going to go to break, and then uh, Mitch and guests. And listeners, we'll see you after the break. All right.
Sponsored by Dr. Chika Akua, Master Teacher and Educator. The quote is taken from Words of Power, Volume 1, Second Edition. Money is the reward for solving a problem. The bigger the problem, the bigger the reward. Joe White. Words of Power and other books by Dr. Chika Akua can be found online at Black Dot Book Cultural Center and Bookstore or online at blackdotcc.com. You know we've been away for a while, right? Because both of us, like, messed up things that we know. (laughs) (laughs) And we're back. We're back. And we're back with uh, Mitch Brooks from High High Street Street Equity Equity. Partners. We didn't get that wrong. Mitch, can you hear us? You still there? I'm still here. How you like that old cut, bro? Uh, OJ. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. We we yeah. we picked that like one it. just we picked that one just for you. So I don't I don't know. If <laughs> I was I was I was wondering. I, I asked myself. I say if if they uh, customizing the break music for the guests, that's what's up. Well, <laughs> absolutely. That's what we do. But yeah. somehow I just got this feeling just through discussing with you that you didn't allow money to change you. Okay. How about that? That's right. Yeah. Yeah, but he's a fam you grad. He don't have a choice. Is that what it is? Absolutely. <laughs> what you know what you know about that? Yeah. Just because you live in Florida though, what, what you know you. about fam you? I was about to say, excuse me, sir. <laughs> like, I'm Florida. Floridian. Floridian, like yeah. Washingtonian. I, I have I have a family who are also alums. Hey, hey. And, and Mitch. Beautiful. So we're yeah. back and and I think the more information you give us, the more questions we ask. Because this is really an intriguing, um, this is a great conversation. I don't want to say intriguing. It's, right. it's, right. it's so much. It, it's like, and I think Denton asked the question. If you had asked, you know, you asked people about VC companies, you'd be like, eh. And that's the truth, because right. I did. I asked people. Because <laughs> I, I always try and do my research before we do the show. And. I, you know, I want to hear what people have to say and what they think. And so I asked um, someone who's actually looking for um, investors right now. And um, the, the, the thing I was told is, like, venture capitalists don't have any interest in the development of the communities that they work in. They're all about the money. Um, they're not interested in um, keeping the people. They're not interested in anything but getting their, their money back out. And, and I, that's why it's important, I think, um, we're trying to pull Javon. I'm just going to bust him out onto the mic. But it's we don't play any spaces, not mm-hmm. on the venture capital level. Um, and if we're not playing in them spaces, those of us on the other side 
don't know how to engage in those spaces. Um, so these are some of the conversations and some of the questions. Um, I don't even know where to begin during break. There was about a thousand questions flying around. It's like, <laughs> where, where do we want to start? Like, I know what, what I want to know. So I was in mortgage lending for 20 years. And, okay, the one, and the one thing as a broker, no, I'm sorry, as a banker, not a broker. But the one thing that I knew is what position or what things a borrower had to do to put themselves in position to get financed. Right. And part of the challenges are we don't know what that criteria is. For instance, um, getting my PPP loan, for instance, what was the SBA looking for in order to get approved for either the PPP or the uh, EDIL? Um, and right. if you didn't meet those metrics, you didn't get funded. Um, right. So, so it, right. it taught me to, you know, Stop hustling and be in business. Right. <laughs> no, know, that's true. That they did that for everybody, right. I think. <laughs> like, stop hustling and be in business. So, from a VC perspective, um, or let me let me rephrase that, from a high street equity partner's perspective, because this is a space um, based on your bio that you want to play in, brown and black businesses. So, that means um, when we say small businesses, when we're talking globally small businesses, you're talking about employees of 150 or more and net worth of millions of dollars. But in reality, a small business in our community is your mom and pop show, mom and pop shops with two or three, four employees and a like that right. are trying to scale right. and have the ability to scale and have the product to scale. Yeah, um, I learned from our, our brother Javon <laughs> Green that uh, uh, most of our businesses are actually micro-businesses. They're not even small businesses. Well, thank you for that term. Thank you. Micro-businesses. I, I learned from the educator. Yes, and he does. <laughs> yes. And he's here, by the way. He's here, by the way, Mitch. I'm, bu I'm just busting him out because we're trying to get him on the mic because he – we're, we're answering the questions yeah, through him. It would be great to <laughs> – okay. It would be great. It would be great to get him in the convo. Yes, I, I just took his mic off of uh, mute <laughs> in case he has a How question. You doing, Mitch? Hello, can uh, am I coming across? How you doing? Here? Turn my mic up. Yeah, I can. Got you. I can hear you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for bringing this conversation full circle, bringing Baba up to speed, Baba Cass <laughs> up to speed. <laughs> yeah, my sister, my sister is actually an attorney. And uh, she's a corporate attorney in Florida, and she works with a lot of VC firms. Like she actually does the, I want to say it's a, it's like an investment portfolio or something you have to do, where you have to show that you can actually invest in a company. You know. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'll get the exact terminology in a little bit, but yeah. Accred accredited yeah. investment. There you go. You have to make sure the person is. It's like a vetting process initially, right? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Some some folks do that. So, um, okay. a quick story, Serena Williams and her husband have a VC firm, um, and I've uh, been able to connect with them, and shout out to their movie that's out in theaters now. And as a part of people being in business with them, um, Serena Ventures um, has a firm that vets those uh, as accredited investors before they get involved. 
Now, every firm doesn't do that. Believe it or not, um, being an accredited investor is a, is a self-assessment process for many firms. It's just that I think if you have a lot of brand equity or things to lose, then people that run those firms tend to go through a law firm to make sure that their accredited investors fully check out, right? Yep. So Serena, I think, you know, Jay-Z with like his Marcy Ventures Fund, like folks like that will run you through a vetting process just for the double check and they won't allow you to sell for stuff. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And what does that look like at High Street Equity Partners? That vetting we do process. Not, we, do, we, we do not use a law firm to vet. We have uh, a form in our agreement that you have to sign and it's a three-page form where you have to uh, complete uh, some information and you have to attest. Um, essentially, it's like a legal contract where you attest that you're an accredited investor. Uh, and so that's what we do. Um, and, you know, that's the extent of it for us. And, and to a great degree, that's the extent of it for most. And the idea is that, you know, for us, we need to have done the research on the people that we're looking to meet with and the people that we're asking to invest in the fund. And so we, we put that responsibility on us. And candidly, you know, to put this out there, it's because we don't want to spend tens of thousands of dollars on legal legal fees either. And so it's within the, the law and the regulations of the law. Um, and so uh, that's what we do. To share with you all, uh, so my wife's a corporate attorney. Uh, and so when I was looking to start this fund last summer, um, I started with talking to her firm among probably 14 or 15 law firms. And the highest quote I got to start my fund to do fund formation, as they call it, was $280,000 to start. The lowest quote I got to start my fund with $75,000 to start it. And so to a great degree, the fund formation process on the legal side is uh, a high barrier of entry, uh, in my opinion. And what I've been told is that, Mitch, whether you're starting a $15 million fund or whether you're starting a $150 million fund, it's the same price for us, for us to do your fund formation paperwork. Mm. Exactly. And that was just crazy to me. It was crazy to me, right? Um, and and so I say that to say, uh, I'm I'm very glad that you're you're assisting uh, your family members gainfully employed and doing this work in the space. Um, and at at the same time, I'm saying that um, I think that the uh, attorneys in this space uh, are are making out really well. Mm -hmm. uh, and and I think I think that uh you know as black and brown folks entering this space uh, we want to try to figure out how to take as much of our money as possible and put it into the hands of the entrepreneurs um, as opposed to like the professional legal folks that mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's right so we're you're looking at your your fifteen million dollar you have a fifteen million dollar fund to invest um, how so are you looking, what is the mark, 
500,000 per business, 200,000. Yeah, how is there like a threshold essentially? A threshold, right. Yeah, minimum. Yeah, yeah. So in this first year of operating, we're writing checks between 50,000 and 150,000. Okay. Uh, the life of the fund is a 10 year fund. Uh, it's our goal that by year two and within year two, our average tax size will average out to be 300,000. And so that, that's where we'll operate and how we'll operate. Um, and to share with you all that, uh, there are different phases of a company. Um, and there are different phases of a company that wants to fundraise. And so we fit um, what we consider to be on the earlier stage of folks fundraising, which is called seed round and seed funding. Yep. So I guess I kind of want to go towards for micro company, micro small, what do you call it? Micro small. What is micro, it? Bu- micro, micro businesses. businesses. Micro, micro businesses. businesses okay. yeah. Small businesses specifically brown and black what is the qualifying criteria so for instance i get calls all the time people say you want to borrow we're all on your hundred fifty thousand, but you have to have ten thousand dollars in revenues a month before we even begin to have a conversation with you um Mm -hmm. so there's always something that uh high street is is looking for before you even sit down and have a conversation um, and that kind of informs us as to what we need yeah. to prepare ourselves or put in place in order to even sit at the table to have a conversation with you. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, but the first thing I want to say to that is that what we look to do, we look to take a unique approach. And I don't think that we're alone in this. I mean, I've talked to other people in this space that when I'm talking to them, they shake their head, yes, 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 and we we have locked arms and we're in agreement um, on, on the point that I'm going to make. Um, but what we know to be true is that uh, for black and brown companies, uh, we need to look at a different playbook and not use the same playbook that um, very well financed and uh, capitalized companies uh, are able to use. And so we need to have some different metrics and some different criteria in the mix um, to be able to say this makes a good invest. Uh, this makes a good investment. And, and so to that point, right? I, I'll say that what we look to do is for any company that comes in front of us that doesn't meet our criteria, but we believe that the entrepreneurs are onto something and we be, we believe in them and we look to do monthly check-ins with those founders and we look to support them we look to encourage them we look to point them in the right direction and, and give them contact that will help them to grow and we look to cultivate and nurture relationship with them so let's say it's six months from that time or 12 months from that time and they are ready and they meet our criteria we will have developed a relationship and we'll be happy to invest in them. Um, and so I think that's unique in how we approach this compared to how a lot of other shops uh, approach this. You know, they'll pretty quickly tell you no uh, with nothing more and you got to keep it moving and go to the next place. 
Um, so we're intentionally trying to um, build in community into how we do business. Um, the second thing, and to more directly answer your question, we look at an average revenue run rate is what we they call it and what we call it. And so the idea is that you may have been in business for four months, but when we look at over 12 months, if we take your four months and look to do an average and think about 12 months of your business, does your uh, annual revenue rate hit at least $100,000? And if it does hit $100,000, then we will entertain you and you meet our criteria and we'll talk to you. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. I mean, once again, we've been talking, we've been having this conversation for the past week, just in terms of like, for example, the infrastructure bill that just passed and how funding was putting for uh, digital infrastructure, right? And how our businesses can take advantage of those funding. But bigger than that, uh, Kazemde with the bookstore last year, he always tells a story how he made the most money online last year after George Floyd passed, right? Right. So now he's yeah. investing so much more money in his website, which is the digital infrastructure, SEOs and things right. of that nature. So he's becoming more, uh, as you were saying, centered, tech-centered. And you know? and COVID did that for a lot of businesses. Yeah, COVID. Because mm-hmm. a lot of businesses had to make that switch to yeah. be able to be prepared for you know, this the shutdown. Well, the restaurant, my, my family, we're in the restaurant business. We have a restaurant right next to Black Dot. And when, you know, obviously the elderly, they didn't want to come out. They were scared before there was a shutdown. Mm-hmm. You know, DoorDash, Uber Eats, they actually waived a lot those delivery fees. Right. But if you, but once again, you have to put yourself in a position, essentially. You already have to yeah. have these infrastructure, right, right. And established and in place to take advantage of these opportunities that's coming around. And further along, and I don't want to jump the gun, but like the metaverse, for example, you know, Black Dot having a bookstore in the metaverse, right, is something that we were talking about as an opportunity to grow in that space, in that tech space. Yeah. I mean, the, the potential of tech is just limitless at this point when we look at what, what we're even talking about with the metaverse. Exactly. Yeah. Which, which, and it's I, further. I, think, I didn't yeah, mean to further. jump the gun. No, no you didn't but, because yeah. this was actually, so these thinking tech-enabled companies, Yeah. Um, and this was some of the discussions that we all had leading up to this, is, um, is high street when we think of tech, so... Are they looking at emerging, emerging tech-enabled? No, let me say that. Go back. Post-revenue tech-enabled. I need to get that in my yeah, mind. Yeah. So, sorry. Yeah, I was going to say like an SBU, for example, for cash. Like, what? What is it? The total revenue, all sales, or is it just what's like online-based revenue, for example? Right. You know. It would like, be total sales. Total sales. Sounds like it's for the business yeah. as a whole. Okay. Yeah. Okay. If, I'm, right. if I'm correct. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This is really valuable. I hope that, uh, not hope, but people need to really tune into this because I'm not sure because I really don't know the VC marketplace, but Mitch, you can tell us how many people, uh, what is your competition in this space? Right. Um, Sounds niche. Sounds really niche. really niche, exactly. Our competition in the space, uh, referring to how many black and brown Fund managers and investors. Well, are your, there your, or approach, your approach, your yeah, approach your, your to black and brown. Yeah, and your target everything. demographic, exactly. Uh, I mean, as you 
can imagine there have been a number of existing uh, majority-led companies that have looked to uh, roll out an initiative and a fund for this type for this call, uh, and there have been uh, new funds and new companies that have launched over the last uh, eighteen months uh, around this call, and so we we're tracking like competitors and but what I call pairs in the space, and there are according to my count thirty two. Uh, funds or companies that have similar funds um, that overlap with us in some way, shape, or form. Now, what a lot of folks have done is some, so there's a company out of Cleveland, Ohio, that says they invest in underrepresented geography and underrepresented founders, um, but they specifically invest in healthcare tech. So they may specifically invest in FinTech, right? And so some folks are in this space, but they are choosing to pick like particular industries or sectors, maybe because, you know, they, that's where they come from, right? That's where their expertise comes from. Um, for Tristan and I, um, given the fact that, uh, we have been able to get experience across several different sectors, we're coming in this and we're looking to be industry agnostic meaning that we're open to any and all industries and sectors. Now, we have some areas where we have very strong background and expertise in, uh, but we're open to any and all sectors for us. And so I say that to, you know, say all of this to say there's some nuance to it, right? So there may be a firm in Chicago or a firm in Texas, and, you know, they're run by young black and brown folks similar to us. They're investing in young black and brown folks similar to us, but they may only focus on clean tech or only focus on green tech as an example. And so there is some niche um, and some nuance in the mix. That's, that's very good to know. Actually, for anybody in those industries, if those investors are out there, you know, for that are looking for those kind of uh those particular niches, it's good to know that those even exist. Um, I do want to know also, and you may have already said it, so if you, you know, if you have, I apologize, but what does a relationship with um, high street equity partners um, and someone who you all have invested in actually look like in an actual demonstration? Or, or can I say it this way, like walk us through the process essentially of a person wanting to invest in like just step by step essentially? Right. And then, yeah, from beginning to end. Yeah. So someone would go to our website today. They would uh, submit an application. The application takes about five minutes. With that application, we ask them for a pitch deck. Um, and for an entrepreneur, that's the deck you put together to attract um, a bank or a VC or any lender source to one investor. So you'll submit your application with your pitch deck. Uh, someone on our team, uh, an associate, will get that and they would do an initial screening. We have like five quantitative criteria, uh, about five or six qualitative criteria. And so they will bring your application across our criteria. Um, and if 
uh, it checks the boxes, they'll follow up with you to say, we're interested in scheduling a first meeting. And so the first meeting would be with our associate team. Uh, we have three associates. Um, and so one of those three would take the first call. Uh, we have a general idea of what we're looking for in that first meeting. Uh, we're looking to see if customers are willing to pay for your product or service. We're looking to see if your problem is a problem or if it's just sort of a nice to have. Uh, and we're looking to see what type of solution you're proposing for this problem and if we believe in a solution, uh, among other things. And so in that first meeting, that's what the associates are looking for. Uh, if the associates uh, feel very strong about what they've seen in, in the conversation, they'll prepare a memo to go to the partners. Uh, and that's when I'll get it. And so as a general partner, um, I'll get a memo um, and supporting documentation, including your pitch deck in front of me at, on my desk. And then I'll go through it and I'll review it. Uh, and I'll develop a list of questions and comments and things that I have. And I would look to schedule a second meeting with you. And at that second meeting, I'll talk through my questions and try to get a sense to know like who, who you are as a person. And the most important thing that I'm looking for is uh, your grit and your lived experiences of what you've gone through in life that'll make me feel like you can push through any challenge and adversity. And because I feel like by the time I get the memo from my associate team, you probably have a, a pretty decent company, and, uh, at least on paper, that is. And so the question for me becomes, like, who are you as a person? And, and my questions are deeply centered around that and deeply centered around uh, if we make an investment, when will we get our money back and how will we get our money back? But a lot of that is driven just about you and your character as a person. Um, and then after the partner does their review and that step, we put it in front of an investment committee. Uh, and the committee uh, was created in order to look out for my blind spots, right? Or to look out for our blind spots. And so we'll pull in industry experts in a particular space. Uh, and uh, we convene a committee of five. Uh, and I'll ask the committee to vote. Um, and I'll ask the committee to go around and give their take on it, hoping that they intentionally look to point things out that I may not have seen or blind spots and just making sure that I'm aware, like before you make this investment, these are things we think you should be aware of. And based on the committee vote, uh, we look to make the investment. That's our process from A to Z. Now, if you decide, uh, Mitch, to move forward, um, what does it look like? So, I noticed you're a business consultant. You have done consulting. So is there continued consultation? What does that look yeah, like after? Yeah. So that's kind of what I would like to know as well. Post-investment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We, we call that post-investment. And post-investment for us looks like we have on our team what we call a venture partner. And our venture partner is like your, your support and coach and mentor from our uh, uh, perspective as an investor, 
right? So we want you to be able to have someone that you can always call to talk through your challenges, to talk through like important decisions for your business, et cetera. Uh, and so our venture partner um, becomes uh, an extension of your executive team informally, that is, right? And for some companies, they have a board that they put together. And so our venture partner would sit on their board and have a seat on their board. Um, and so, you know, for most folks, they meet with their board, you know, four times a year and they'll bring their most challenging issues and thoughts to the board to get insight and perspective on. Uh, and what I've told ventures and companies is that in addition to having a board structure, or if you don't have that board structure, you know, you need to get on the calendar as often as you need to with our venture partner to make sure that we're providing support in addition to financial support for you. So I mentioned earlier, like the time, talent, treasure. Um, that's the idea for us, that we'll give you our time and we'll give you our talent uh, in order to help you to grow and scale. We want you to be successful. That's amazing, brother. That's amazing. This is this is actually unprecedented. And I guess my other question is like, what in return, what does the 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 company, your company, gets? Is it equity of the company? Is it that's just, right. mm-hmm, it is equity, right? And I guess that's case by case scenario. Uh, Jensen, right. you have a question, yeah. Jensen? No? Okay. Okay. Uh, Reggie, you have a question? Yeah. <clears throat> I was wondering. Hold on. You... Hold on. Hold on, Reg. Go ahead. Yeah, my question is uh, what if they can't pay, you know, the investment back? Do you guys dissolve the company or acquire it and take over and, you know, try to, you know, ruffle up any funds you can back or I mean what's the process with that and have you gone through that right well that's what the vetting is for Mo, so I we mean, wouldn't have to go through that right yeah that's true yeah 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 so as an angel investor I have gone through that with this formal venture company we have not gone through that fortunately for us to this point um, but, but I was an angel investor for nine years prior to starting this firm. And yes, I've made investments into companies and they weren't able to pay the money back. Um, and it was on a case-by-case basis. I think overwhelmingly, though, you know, I was looking to be encouraging and supportive of all of those founders and all of those companies. I mean... Yes, it sucks and it's not great to lose money. Um, but I made that investment and to a great degree that bet based on who you were as a person. And so the idea is like, and we see stories of this all the time where the first idea or the first business don't work out, but you may have a second or third business, you know, somewhere down your future. Um, and it's my goal to be as supportive as possible so that you can get to that second or third idea. And so uh, when when those situations happen, man, and when the company uh, doesn't make money or can't return my equity, we'll take it on a case-by-case basis. In some instances, uh, there were, like, inventory and assets involved. So we liquidated the inventory and assets and tried to make me back whole as much as possible, right? There you go. In other cases, you know, in other cases, it's a situation where there is no inventory or assets, you know, but 
maybe they have a, a, a intangible assets where it's like a customer database or something like that, right? And so I try to think, you know, do I have any other vendors that could benefit from that where I can sort of move some of those intangible assets over to a different investment? And sometimes it just is what it is. There's nothing to be had from it, and you just got to walk away. Um, but what I tell, you know, family all the time is that you got to be prepared for every investment you go into to get to zero. Like, you really have to have a tough stomach and be prepared for that. I have my, like, family members, my mom and my aunts and uncles. That's like, I have some money, and I want to give it to you. I heard you got an investment company. And, you know, in the most compassionate way possible, I, you know, in addition to them needing to be an accredited investor, and even if they check that box and that's the case, I say to them, you know, are you prepared for you to never get your money back again? Like, exactly. Not that you want that to happen, but are you prepared for that? Right? Mm-hmm. And that, that happens, like, does this mess up your future in any way, shape, or form? And if that's the case, then you shouldn't be investing. And that's how I feel personally. Cool. I think, Mitch, we have uh, two more questions because I think we're going a little bit over an hour, but we got two more questions for you, and then we'll wrap it up. There you go. Yeah, so I mean, just wanted to tie it back to that infrastructure bill. Is there any way that your company could tap into those funds for your company to pretty much enlarge? And so you go from 15 million to a little bit more to help more uh, businesses, black and brown businesses? Or is that something that's just off the table that your company can't take advantage of? We're looking into that. The the short answer is we're looking into it. Um, Fortunately for me, my business partner, Tristan, uh, comes from Capitol Hill. Uh, he worked with uh, Eleanor Holmes Norton, um, and uh, he also spent some time in some different committee houses, uh, house committees, rather, on Capitol Hill. And so he has a good amount of relationships within the current administration. Um, and we've been, like, researching and looking into what's in this bill and how um, we can look to have a seat at the table uh, to be able to get value and add value. One way of what that can look like is there's a company in California called Charger Help. It's run by two black sisters. And uh, what they are doing is that they're uh, training uh, people in inner city to be able to work on electric vehicle charging stations, hmm. right? And so they're intentionally looking at getting, you know, what a lot of folks, uh, what a lot of folks are looking at uh, when they're talking about reskilling, right? Uh, Coming out of different industries, whether it's the hospitality industry or something like that. And so they've been intentional about looking at, you know, we have record levels of unemployment. How can we take some of those folks, in particular folks in black and brown communities, and teach them a trade to be connected to the future with electric vehicles. And so, so as an example, with us looking at investments like Charger Health, we would love to be able to invest our money, but also to help position Charger Health to get a seat at the table, there right? Go. So what's good, for, what's good for them is good for us, there we go. right, as, as an example. So yeah, we're, we're looking at the infrastructure bill and looking to see how we can 
uh, have a seat at the table to participate in it and add value. Awesome. 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 And we have one last question. Do you have a question, Reggie, or that question's been answered? It's so crazy, though. As he talks, yeah. it's like more. I, I, I get more st- yeah. more ideas because right, right, right. I start so, thinking on well, the municipality level. Right. Well, you know, well, like how, from a smart city's perspective. How about yeah. this? Yeah. We're known to have a part two, as if Mitch is. is if he's is, willing to, if right? He's willing to. We yeah. have, we have yeah. been known because some yeah. conversations you just can't time, squeeze Mitch. into an hour. Exactly. Right? And this is, this is, and Mitch, this is your space, so you may be used to talking about this all the time, but everyone in this room is a small business owner. Actually, there's four of us in here, and we're all oh, black, small business exactly. owners. Exactly. And our, our listening base are comprises of small black business owners. So this is a conversation that, I mean, just to kind of hit it off in the beginning, most of us, when we hear VC, we we, we look the other way. It's just not, yeah. Yeah. you don't have a good feeling about it. It's like, why even- It's a takeover. If, why almost. even, right, yeah. go, you utilize your energies on something that's not gonna happen. We might as well put our energies in something that works. There you go. But from everything that uh, we've talked about today, it's like, this is this is breathtaking. No, I really think is. you use a different word. So hold yeah. on, I got a question though, Cass. At the you, beginning, you were not, you were a little, you know, apprehensive, right? Because you didn't understand the tech world a little bit, right? Exactly. Like, the, how do you feel now, right? Like that, Mitch. Yeah. Well, well, the way he broke settled. it down because what I realized is that I am a tech-enabled company. I yeah. use technology <laughs> to grow my company. But that's so. POS systems, yeah, RFIDs that's for exactly, trackers. Exactly. Yeah, like that's, what I'm, that's the reason the question had to be asked. It's right. like, what does that mean? What does, what does tech-enabled actually exactly. mean? Exactly. Yeah. I have, yeah, I have so that software that I use Mitch, to track my inventory, to do my purchasing orders. SEO. SEO. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm doing all of that. Yeah, so. he's actually certified yeah. in SEO. Yeah, I am certified. Well, yeah. beginner's certified. <laughs> <laughs> it's better than a lot of people. Um, do you have uh, any final words, Mitch, by well, any chance? Actually, oh, I good? had a final question. Okay. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Well, what's the final question? You know, Mitch, we, I don't know. You're not used to us. We clown on this show. You know, well, we black folks, you know, you can't have a very, you know, a very anal conversation. And, and I'm the only right. female right. in the whole space, so I got to, you know, oh, okay. pipe up every now and then to be heard. It's okay. I love right. my brothers. Right. Put your chest out. Put, say it with your chest. Say it with your chest. chest. You know? <laughs> you but we, we kind of ran past it. I wanted to ask. Why High Street Equity Partners? Yeah, yeah, I I appreciate it. Uh, I like that question. Uh, so to share with you all, High Street is the historic name of a street in Little Rock, Arkansas. Um, when you think of High Street, think of Black Wall Street in Tulsa. And so my business partner Tristan is from Little Rock, uh, and like I said, we were doing investments. Uh, collectively and individually um, a few years ago. And so when we sat down to think about uh, what we wanted to do as a formal firm, uh, we talked about, and we just whiteboarded it, and we talked about what we wanted to do and what it means and what it looks like. Um, and when he shared with me, you know, I spoke about me being a longtime Washingtonian and, you know, why I'm in this and, me wanting to be able to support uh, black and brown founders in D.C. And he spoke about his roots and connections to Little Rock. And he shared uh, the fact that his family over 70, 80 years ago uh, had a business on High Street. 
uh, in Little Rock, Arkansas. Wow. And wow. He, he was talking to me about like what that meant, you know, in the 30s and 40s. Um, and so uh, the name is a homage to that market-based financial prosperity of black and brown folks uh, when we supported one another and when we were in community. <laughs> that's, wow. That's, you I'm, know what I'm thinking. Well, I'm, I'm Mitch gonna, doesn't know what I'm thinking. I'm yeah. And maybe I'm, Reggie and Jensen might know what I'm thinking because I think she had a stab at it. But Javon is, is about to um, launch his new book, The New Black Wall Street, Yeah, right? Finding the new but, Black Wall but, Street. Mitch, the way that he did this, which which is really profound to me, is he tied in successful black entrepreneurs from Tulsa and Wilmington and, and other, I mean, I'm speaking for your Virginia, book, right? right. Virginia, Maggie, Maggie, right. Lena, Maggie Lena Walker opened up the very first bank, well, excuse me, in that area, St. Luke's Penny's Bank. You know, so... Yeah, because they had a Black Wall they Street. They had a Black Wall Street. Yeah. And what, what the interesting part is what he tied in um, the historical aspect of it versus business hasn't changed. Business ethics, rules of business. Mm-hmm. Management. Management. Yeah, yeah, supply it, it, chain. Technology has changed, but the still basic premise of, of doing business hasn't changed. So when you start talking about High Street, it, it just that's just another. It's just so much of our history. We're going to need a part two is we're what I'm need, hearing. We're going to need a part I'm, two. I'm going to put you on the line. I'm going to put you on the line now and say, can we get a part two, brother? And sooner than later. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sooner than later. I, I would yes. love to do it. Yeah, man. I yes. have a big smile on my face. And this conversation uh, has been full to my soul as well. And, like, speaking to you all and uh, being able to answer questions and get folks interested in the space. Uh, and in addition to that, your your listeners and, and your supporters. And the reality is, man, is that we absolutely want to and we need to get more black and brown folks uh, connected to finance in this space and for it to be more approachable. Yes. You know, I really yes. would love to have Tristan, my business partner, uh, what to join? I mean, my brother has long dreadlocks down to his his back. He is authentic, always in every room that he's in, and you know everything that I'm saying to you. Uh, and Tristan would love this conversation, and he would double down on it, and he would have wow. a, a story to tell about it. And so, it, it's absolutely our goal, man, to talk as much as we possibly can about these topics uh, and to make it as approachable as possible. And, and you know, just to, to finish it off, this is the Urban Politician Show, but what we say, what's our model? Politics is the, the management, management system, system of, of our, our economy. economy. So this is not out of the sphere of politics. This is political. Exactly. Right, yeah. so we're really not yeah. moving outside of, of what our show is about because we're really about educating the masses and there's there's nothing that does not involve politics or political i agree with that political so um so i want to thank you brother and and i want to give shannon you know shannon i'm telling you brother she's on it 
sister sister is is shout out to shannon y'all give it up shannon yeah let's give her a round of applause (laughs) sister is sister is like straight up because she's been on me and and you have to be on me so uh, i think i think that she's i think she's secretly been talking to jensen that's what i really want to believe it was no secret they did it in front of you because all it wasn't a secret yeah because all the sisters around me know like uh if you tell him once, you have to call him back and tell him tomorrow. Then you have to text him and you have to wait 24 hours. <laughs> and do it again. Do it again. <laughs> and it's because he's running a business. He's, well, it's I because he's running a business. Thank uh, you, Javon. <laughs> See, he understands it. I, I needed a little bit of help with I that. I got you, brother. But um, Shannon is on it. We really appreciate the sister. And I look forward to uh, her being in that space as well as you, bro. When you come when you come into it, too. You know, I know you in Chocolate City, but you know this is the Chocolate City we in here now. Right? Well, they call it the Black Mecca. I think. I, right? I think so. So I and, mean, you know, we got the new right. Black Wall Street. Like, you building. know, we got the yeah the new Black Wall Street just popped. Did up. Did you hear about that by any chance? Yeah, you need to pull it up, bro. If you haven't, I did not. Oh, Pull wow. it up. Google's a beautiful yeah. thing, brother. You slacking on your pivot. <laughs> <laughs> Pull it up. Yeah. No, but thanks again, though. Thanks, thanks again, again so much. And keep doing that good work, pioneering. You know, you're a trailblazer yourself. So Absolutely. just want to give you thank the flowers, you. brother. So, thank you, my brother. And you, brother. Um, we're going to, you know, I have no idea what our ending commercial is. We'll get to it. Where it is? Yeah, I know it's on this board somewhere. <laughs> but that's okay. Have bitch. a good night. Man. That's, a, yeah. that's not for you to worry about, bitch. Um, we'll be in touch to see when we can schedule you for um, part two. Yeah. Appreciate Thank you. you so much. All right. Bitch. All right. Have a good night. Thank you all for the hospitality. Yeah, all right, brother. Not a problem. Bye bye. And with that, all I got to do is find out. Uh, you hung the phone up? Yeah. I, well, I muted him, so I didn't quite hang up. I don't see it. So, you know what? I'm just glad to be back. Is, it, is everything off? No, Reggie. We still on right now? I'm still, still recording. recording? Okay, still let's recording. do it. Let's keep going. Let's I, I keep it going. It's a, it's a, we're up, we're up, uh, we up hour and 28 minutes. Oh, that's not, I really thought it was pressing to shut it o- down early, right? Door so we can get some air in here. Thank you. Uh, do you mind? Do you mind if we, if we, uh, we got to light some incense. We about to light some sage. You got some, you got five minutes. To light some sage. Did you say that on there? Maybe. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Everybody knows. And I knew the high street thing. I was saving it for the end. Oh, look at that. Round of applause for Jensen. Can we hit the button, please? Oh, that's the wrong button. Again, I do the it's research. Going. <laughs> Thank you. Somebody got to do it. Um, no. Now, this is amazing. Thank you for having me on. I don't know if we're still recording. Thank we you are for. Still, we are still recording. This is my second time. And it's been a whole year. I didn't even know that. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary, that right? That was a year. Yeah. It was. Because it was you, right you after St. Helena. You said it three times on the show, Bobo. Say what? You said it three times on the show. I said what three times? <laughs> that it's the anniversary of it. Yeah, I wasn't even no, going to be on the show. Said it. So, I, so look, you, from the, and you can even tell the brother. Hold on. Go ahead. Reggie's goggling. Yeah, you know Reggie. No, this is a great show. Like I said, thanks for having me. You could tell he got a lot more comfortable as the interview went along, right? Right. right? right. And you, what happened? I was about to tell him too. That, that, that question saved 
question saved him. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's doing a good job, though. Yeah. You know, he's doing it. That, that is a very, very, very difficult industry to break into, especially as a as a brown and black individual. So kudos to that brother. Well, to, to, to just deal with micro, micro businesses. Yes. Yeah, let's go ahead, Rich. To that level and... The way that they're laying out the program, I don't think we expected that. I know no, I didn't. Exactly. I expected something that I was like, okay, this is going to be out of our reach. Yeah, yeah. Right. That's not something that. And then when I saw tech enabled, there you go. You know, I automatically assumed you got to be a tech. I'm not a tech company, right? I mean, but yeah, or, or maybe I am a and tech. Maybe, exactly. Yeah, he redefined. So, so, and even in the book that I'm writing, when you talk about valuation, how do you value a company? It's not just the numbers. It's the story. It's the story, right? You know, so what story are you actually saying about your company? You know, because that story could increase your valuation, essentially. Mm -hmm. You know, and then, like I said, you're you're moving in that direction anyway because you've seen the fruits of just right. having a website. And at that time, it wasn't, like, robust, no. right? It was basic. It was functional, though. Right. And accessible to the mass, to the mm -hmm. masses. So you were able to take advantage of that that. Opportunity. And, then, and then ask the question. So exactly, if I had that kind of uh, growth, yeah, with online sales, you know, I knew, I knew that that was what a trend. There right? you that go. It was going to fall off. So, but the question is, wait yeah. a minute. If I can do those numbers under these circumstances, there you go. How do I do these numbers? Yeah, regularly, consistently. Mm -hmm. So. What do I have to do or what do I have to put in place? Yes. And not be concerned about the cost of that. Exactly. Right? Because usually it's a cost that would scare. There you go. There you go. Somebody away. But I realize unless you spend the money, yeah, you can't get the money. So we got a saying where I'm from. Shout out to South Jamaica, Queens. We got a saying. Scared money don't make money. Scared money. That ain't just women. You can't that put that in. In New York Queens. City? Yeah. yeah. It's an error. Well, that, let's just say. That's just scared money. That's real. Scared money don't. But that, you know, what's interesting is you know this, but you still operate out of fear. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. When you when you actually have to do this. Yeah. Like you said, we hurt ourselves by, by not taking the risk, the necessary right. risk. And then we have a partner in Mitch's high street company that's willing to even post venture, right? Post investment. Exactly. To, to walk you through. And he said, up until the third idea, you get what I'm saying? No, I so, didn't miss that. Of course you didn't. You didn't miss a thing. So thanks again for having me. Um, I'm signing off. You're welcome, brother. You're welcome. You know, we decided to do <laughs> the post show live because, you know, the post show and the pre-show is always sometimes better the than the show. So, yeah. yeah. So, you've been live the entire time. I had no idea. Y'all been yeah, over here listening to me munching and everything. Nah, no, we no, didn't no, even the, know. The funny part was when you when you had to leave out of here. You yeah. Just, you just, no, seriously. You just, the whole announcement. Did, yeah, the whole announcement. Yeah, no, because like, I, I was. Yeah. TMI. Yeah, my bad. But, you know, but it's human, <laughs> but, right? <laughs> and, okay, so since we are still live, and I was going to say this when I came back in the room anyway. I really enjoyed this show. Started out a little slow. Did you really? But it picked up. And I want to thank all of you guys. Thank you, Javon, for coming. Yeah. As I it should. ended up being a good show. Okay, okay. And I was you just I, me. I think I when thank all y'all guys. I think when when you left, I mentioned it that we had no idea it was a year ago that I was on the show, you know, before and we were right. talking about 
the new and Black Wall Street. And she posted it, and I still didn't realize it was like, <laughs> I saw it. Full circle. But Full I didn't circle. realize it was a year. Um, it was an honor. It's an honor. He was here. Shout out. He's not missing. You just called his name. So he's on the show now. <laughs> Anything else, Baba? I know, right? We didn't miss him. There we go. There we go. Uh, I'm, I'm done. So, not done, but. Make sure y'all listen to the episode. Share it with your friends, your folks. We all could take advantage of, of this opportunity that High Street Fund is, is presenting to our community. Absolutely. And we will post um, on our facebook page what's the facebook page urban politician show that's easy right on facebook um so if you want to get the link to high street equity com. high street it was high street equity i think it's investors I, i just pulled it up um equity partners so if you google high street equity partners the um the website will pop up and the funding application is like right here. Bang. It's highstreetequity.com. Thank you. You already. You know, I, I did hear you. I know you did. You just didn't believe me. No. It was only half. I was just, I was already, it was already downloaded in my head, so I just had to get it all out. Okay. But see, I came back and I gave you a pop, right? Mm-hmm. Before you said something. Before I even looked at your eyes. Say anything. But anyway. Thanks for listening. It's, it's, it's good to be back. Um, we will have a part two. Um, we will, um, I will give Shannon a call and, and see if we can schedule that for next week. So it's, it's good to have the back to back. But this yeah, will air soon. So yeah. at any rate, we're out. We're out. Peace. Peace. Peace, family. Enjoy the holidays Peace. with your family. Y'all be safe out there.